1: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 396 of Linux in the Hamshack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the Internet. And tonight we have our deep dive episode, and our deep dive is going to be an interview, an interview about a new project that's coming along that involves hardware and software in the amateur radio world, involves an audio codec that we've talked about in previous episodes, and we're going to learn all about M17 Soon, but first, let's go ahead and inter. Or, I was going to say interview. Let's introduce uh, the cast of the show, which is uh, myself Russ K5TUX.
2: I'm Cheryl W5MOO.
3: And I'm Bill N4RD.
1: And if it wasn't already apparent that we're two bottles of wine in, let's just uh, roll with it. So let's interview. Uh, wow, inter- <laughs> interview just wants to come out. <laughs> so, so let's let's go ahead and do it. We're tonight. We're interviewing. A member of the M17 project, and we're going to find out what part he plays in that project here pretty soon. But this is Steve Miller, Kilo, Charlie, One, Alpha, Whiskey, Victor. Wow, got that out without stumbling. Cool. And uh, he's actually from really close to where I grew up, so that's cool. And uh, he's probably sitting in uh, Newmarket right now?
4: Yeah, that's correct.
1: All right. Newmarket, New Hampshire, a place that I used to frequent quite a bit. So anyway, Steve, good evening. Thanks for being here.
4: Yeah, good evening, and you know, I think it's all that anticipation of having me on the show that the word interview is stuck in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good evening, and uh, thank you for having me.
1: Yes, well, thanks for being here, and no, it's more likely just because I'm sort of half in the bag. But we'll start by letting you tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe before you got into amateur radio or technology or things like that, like how you got into all of this and then we'll move into the M17 project, or at least uh, what you know of its origins. So, tell us what you want to tell us about how you got into ham radio and technology.
4: Okay, sure. Uh, let's see. I mean, it's, it's going to be a long story. I'll try and keep it short. And, oh, the dog just, just got out. So, <laughs> if you hear some uh, noise in the background, uh, the puppy wants to join me. Um, no, I'm Steve Miller. I'm, uh, you know, a, an amateur radio operator since uh, 2013. I was licensed as a technician back then, um, upgraded to general in 2016, and I'm uh, also studying for my extra, which I hope to get before uh, the year is out, so that will be exciting. Um, I got into amateur radio namely because my brother, N1ZXZ, got into amateur radio. He got into it a long time before I did, but uh, I was found uh the things that he was getting into and the projects that he was working on so interesting and uh really, you know, the type of thing that I wanted to get involved in. So I did a little bit more research and, you know, got into the public service aspect of everything. So I'm a member of Aries up in the area. Um and you know, it's it's a, a an amazing hobby to have. Um expensive at times, but you know <laughs> kinda of goes with the uh you know the the flow but you know, with the, uh, M 17 project, uh, coming up, you know, we, sh- we should, uh, have an answer for something, you know, as far as hardware and software related, make it a little bit more affordable for people coming in. Um, but yeah, that's a general short story of me.
1: All right. So how did your, you know, little background there of amateur radio and technology, I'm not sure we heard a lot about the technology part, but how did that lead you to M 17? How did you fall in with this, this cast of crazy characters doing this project?
4: Uh well as far as technology is concerned I guess I, I should probably uh you know preface this with uh, I I started out as a systems admin for a local uh non-profit in Boston um back in 2008 so you know I've uh, had a uh all right well you know IT career so you know I, I got involved with a whole bunch of electronics projects and you know taking servers apart and putting them back together and you know having fun with that and uh you know then um you know I was just uh idling on uh IRC chat with the uh, the Reddit net group uh one day and uh, this guy comes in uh from Poland says hey uh I'm working on this new uh new project and I want to know if there's anybody that's uh, interested in helping me out. And uh, I made my way over to, you know, his neck of the woods and uh, IRC land, learned uh, as much as I could about the whole system and, um, you know, started to uh, volunteer my services as, uh, you know, as far as I could you know with being a systems admin, um, I started taking over the the whole systems administration part of M17. That's where I fit in. I'm, I'm the uh, web administrator, the email administrator, the uh, person that takes care of all the you know public or I'm sorry, the social media accounts and you know uh, kind of uh, oh I brought the forums up and. <laughs> So basically, anything that you see on the web you know i I had a hand in and that's that's where I fit in but uh you know with um the project taken off so uh so well uh it's given me the impetus to learn um more so i'm um you know designing boards and testing things out that are that are you know in experimental or prototype uh status right now and you know i'm I'm also watching. You know, people that are much, much smarter than I am just take this project and run with it, and everybody's having a lot of fun. So it's uh, it's it's uh, fed the need for not just having something to do in the hobby, but also you know the um, need to learn or the really the desire to learn um, something new. So it's uh, it's really
1: really cool. Oh, that's very cool, and they've also shouldered you with being the voice of the project because apparently <laughs> all the people who's – time of day it is okay to be the voice they don't want to be and everybody else is over in the eastern europe and it's kind of like really late right now so so i guess they stuck it with you
4: yeah and it's it's not it's not that nobody i don't think it's that nobody wants to really be the voice it's just that there's people that are that are um highly focused on specific tasks with the project and since i'm the one that um i'm not really developing anything I'm not really designing anything specifically um I have the opportunity to kind of sit back and watch everything that's going on so I guess I'm the one that has the has the um the voice because I've been able to watch everything for so long
1: right so you're like the generalist who's got a little bit of a finger in everything that's happening which is great that's exactly what we need when we talk about the project and as we have already mentioned the project is the uh, Mike Seven or M17 project and we should probably start off, um, since our deep dive is actually on the project, and now that we know who we're talking to, you should tell us what you can about the origin of the project and what the project actually is from your point of view.
4: Oh, goodness. Uh, the origin of the project. I would be a question for Wojciech. And... Uh,
1: well, your, I, phone, I your phone's handy, right? You can, uh, you can give him a call. <laughs> I give him a call.
4: Yeah, let me call him. Wake him up.
1: <laughs>
4: um, so uh, it, it's born out of the need for um, having hardware and software that is not encumbered by um, patents or uh, copyright or you know any sort of licensing that is not open. Um, and the, you know, I guess, uh, Wojciech had seen, um, that need in the amateur community to have something that people can experiment with, um, you know, available to them as far as digital voice is concerned. And, uh, that's really, you know, from what, from what I understand, that's how it really came about. Um, you know, this, he started it, uh, well, geez, I started getting involved in September 2019. September October 2019 so it's been over a year you know uh, a good uh, I'd say about 18 months now at least um and uh yeah that's that's the uh that's how it started and um you know, we, we kind of have a tagline of, uh, you know, trying to take DMR and fusion and D-Star off the air, but that's not really the, <laughs> it's, it's, that's more tongue in cheek than it is, uh, you know, an actual, uh, motto. You know, we, we, we want to, um uh, replace it with, uh, well, not really replace it because here I go, you know, kind of, you know, uh, talking negative about it. I don't want to talk about, neg- you know, talk negative about any of those other modes. Um, but we want to have something that's, uh, truly, um, you know, from ground up, open and, uh, open source and, uh, free for the amateur to really experiment
1: with. So, what do you see as the entirety of the M17 project? What does it encompass? I mean, obviously, it's going to be a platform where you can have a radio running M17 and communicate using it, but what, what are the parts of it that are going to make up the whole? Uh,
4: so it's, it's really my, my uh vision of the way that m17 um wants to go is that it's uh first a protocol um really the the protocol really defines the whole project and uh just like uh dmr or fusion or dstar those are all protocols so that m17 started as a protocol um there's also a hardware side of it the tr9 handheld radio that's um it's kind of put on hiatus right now uh we will look at it in the future um but the you know there's a hardware aspect of it and then there's also the networking um uh, aspect of it which is really my forte you know getting that networking stuff going um to interlink all these repeaters that that could be built and all these uh you know reflectors if you're familiar with uh the way that D star um you know does its traffic over the internet you know we have a similar system um, you know so it's really uh, from the ground up it's going to you know encompass software and hardware as well as networking i guess networking kind of falls under software but um you know that kind of give you the whole uh, the whole kit and caboodle i suppose
1: all right that sounds really interesting and i'm looking forward to it i've already sort of delved into m17 a little bit i've we're going to talk a little about about how that happened uh in a bit uh and uh, my uh, participation uh, with actually having a reflector and stuff, but we'll, we'll get to that. There's that's sort of further in, but before we go too much further, we usually leave this to the end and I hate doing that. But uh, do you want to tell us like, who are like the lead developers on the thing? Tell us who the team is.
4: Yeah. Uh, sure. This is second switch tabs. And if I remember correctly, I, I love
1: your music, by the way,
4: my music, Oh. Uh, come on. <laughs> I knew it was, was going to come up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the, uh, the team, um, it, it all started with uh Wojciech over there in Poland, um, SP five, WWP. He's the, he's the lead for the whole group. And, um, you know, he, he, uh, on the page, he has it described as a bare metal software developer. Um, he was licensed, uh, back in 2016, the same time that I got my general. Um, then there's me, uh, Steve <laughs> Miller. Yes. And, uh, you know, uh, we have W2FBI, uh, Mike down there in Massachusetts. Uh, he does a lot of, uh, testing and development for us as well. Um, so the, those are the, 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 I don't want to say the top three because we're all kind of like on the same, you know, playing, you know, the, the same level, you know, um, N7TAE, uh, Tom, he's over there, uh, I believe in Arizona. Uh, he, he actually developed the, M um, MREF D, uh, uh, software, which is the actual reflector, the M- M17, uh, reflector. And, um, you know, he, he really gave me, um, you know, the kick in the pants to, to start getting things going with the, with the whole project. Um, I believe uh, a little while ago you had uh, 88DP, Doug. Um, he's a developer for DudeStar and DroidStar. Um, he uh, had an existing product uh, that allowed you to get onto different voice, uh, I'm sorry, digital voice modes um, through the Internet on your computer or on your mobile device. And uh, so he brings a lot of uh, experience with uh, that to the table. Uh, we have WX90 Rob of the Mobilelinked fame. He uh, developed the Mobilelinked TNC. It's it's so difficult to say that. I gotta tell him to try and change that name because it's got that D at the end. It. Uh, it sounds kind of funny. <laughs> at least for me, it does. Uh, but yeah, he developed the the TNC one, TNC two, TNC three. The latest iteration, the TNC3, is actually uh, compatible with M17. You can turn your TNC into an M17-capable um, device, plug it into a radio that's capable of uh, doing the um, uh, the type of modulation that we're using, and uh, get on the air with M17, which is really cool. Um, I, I do a lot of experimentation with uh, uh, his stuff um, lately. Um, we have OH1CAU. Giovanni over in Finland. He does a lot of, um, uh, writing, uh, for the specification. Um, he, uh, did a, a whole lot of stuff early on. He's uh, taken a hiatus, uh, believe for now. Um, but, uh, we should have him back soon. And we also have, uh, KM6VMZ, Elms, um, over in California. He's, um, he does software development. So when it comes to creating the software for, uh, you know, the TR9, uh, or or anything else that we put out as far as hardware is concerned, I'm sure that, uh, you know, we'll start seeing stuff from him as well.
1: Oh, very good. That's a nice outline of the team. We usually forget to ask and <laughs> find out later that there's so many people involved in projects and then they don't get mentioned, but that's cool. I think that's a good rundown. So now that we know that, let's talk a little bit about M17 itself. So I'm, I'm interested in, since you, you've you talked about Open from the very beginning, so what languages does it use to, you know, um, usually there's more than one, maybe a core language and then a couple of things, maybe some shims written in other stuff. And how exactly is M17 licensed?
4: <laughs> it's written in English. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I wish. Um, but no, uh, the, like, um, as far well, I, I mean, actually, yeah, I, I, we, we can say that because um, the, uh, the specification is written in English. Um, but the uh, TR9, the software for that uh, was written in C. Um, we have implementations in both Python and C. Uh, I'm working on a Golang implementation as well. Um, it's also forced me to learn uh, Python a little bit more. I'm learning uh, more Python serial, which is uh, uh, a whole beast in itself. Um, and the uh, licensing, it's all GPL 2.0. So we try to keep it as free and open as possible. Um, we also open it up for commercial use. So the reason being is that you know if some if, if some commercial manufacturer out there wants to you know pick it up and, and start using it, you know maybe it'll uh, give us the the uh, hardware that we could be looking for uh, rather than just designing ourselves. We can we can leverage uh, you know say <coughs> Motorola to uh, give us give us a hand <laughs> with that. Actually, why, why did you
1: go with here? Motorola? Why didn't you go with <coughs> Flex?
4: <coughs> Actually. You know, the, the, it's funny you mentioned Flex because I want to grab a Flex radio and I want to see if I can put M seventeen on it. However, I don't think I'm, uh, Flex makes a radio that's um, uh, ten meters and above. So that's that's the the thing about M seventeen is that uh, we can't use it on HF. So. Um,
1: okay, yeah. so this is a good good point to ask why.
4: Well, uh, it's because of the symbol um, rate. Uh the symbol rate, you know, that we're using is oh god, I have to remember this off the top of my head. I think it's 4,800. Um so it's a little bit too fast for uh being on HF. Um uses a pretty wide bandwidth as far as most digital uh protocols are concerned. It's not as wide as say DMR with twelve and a half kilohertz, but it's uh, uh it's around nine kilohertz wide. Um, so it's, a, it's still too wide to be put onto, you know, uh, things like HF and, and, um, uh, not break any of our rules in the U S but, um, yeah, the, the symbol rate is, is a lot higher than uh, what you would typically see as far as, um, you know, things that you would have on HF.
1: All right. Very good. So I, I sort of know, at least I think, I hope I know the answer to the next couple of questions. So I'm just going to roll them into one you mentioned that the whole, the whole project is kind of being built up from the ground up, but I think there's some other audio technology that you're leveraging. And I was just wondering, like what other projects are you using to either model your software on or, or borrowing code from, uh, to make M17 a reality?
4: Yeah, that's a really great question. And it does seem to be overlooked by a lot of people that are just starting to learn about M17. Um, the, uh, when, when it comes to uh, the voice side of everything, we're using Codec 2, which was developed by Dave Rowe down in Australia. I, I want to say that he's down in Australia.
1: Yes, he uh, is. He's been on the cool. show. So
4: <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> oh, perfect. Uh, so, yeah, he, he developed uh, Codec 2 to be a low-bit rate um, uh, audio codec that can be used on uh, um, you know, uh, RF. I mean, uh, he has, uh, modes that go all the way down to like 700. Um, so that's good for use, uh, use on HF and he has it going all the way up to 2400, which is what, um, what we're using We're on, on M17. We're using 2400. And then we also have a half, uh, rate as well that we can combine both voice and data at the same time. Um the data, or at least I'm sorry, the, the on-air protocol um, that we kind of started modeling after was uh, NXDN, um, namely because of, you know, we needed a place to start, and uh, we wanted to go ahead and kind of, you know, tweak it a little bit, make it a little bit more uh, available to us as a, as a um, uh, an air interface. Uh, so yeah, we, we do kind of leverage, um, you know, the V uh, N protocol a little bit for uh, the air interface, and um, that's really the two major, you know, projects that, that we, well, I guess, uh, yeah, no, that's that's pretty much the two major projects that we kind of leverage in, inside M17, and we have to make sure that the, the licensing matches up and everything, and that's why we chose Kodak 2, because the uh, free and open nature of that license so we were able to include it as a voice codec into m17 um and uh i mean there's there's a lot of other projects that are leveraging us so like i, I mentioned before you know dude star droid star um you know for uh, the um you know computer side of it you know getting on m17 and uh playing around with it and then there's all uh, the tnc3 um the Open RTX uh, folks—they're, um, you know, using M17 to kind of uh, hack around with the MD380 uh, radios, you know, the the ones that were—I um, forgot who originally sold them, but I think they're being sold by TYT now. Um, yeah, open RTX is developing a new firmware, and they're really driving. Um, m17 to be included into that firmware so that you could turn that dmr radio into something better you know so um there's a bunch of projects that are actually you know integrating with us instead of the other way around so you know we only use a couple of things um, in order to make m17 happen but uh, there's many other projects that are out there that are using us to make what they're doing happen
1: um i just wanted to touch on the the baud rate, the 4,800 bits per second that you're using. Is that for like audio quality? Is that the idea behind that?
4: Yeah, that's uh, mainly just so, so that we can get that, um, I want to say better sound, uh, and I, I I don't think I'm uh, far from the truth when it comes to it. Um, but yeah, when when you start talking about uh, getting higher fidelity audio, if you talk to anybody when it, when it comes to uh, telephone systems, you know if you're, if you're talking about SIP or, or I, uh, IAX or anything like that, you know the, the the more fidelity that you want over the line, the higher the rate has to be. Um, there's a trade-off. You know the you know where do you where do you draw that line where it's high enough fidelity, but low enough bit rate that we can actually squeeze it into, uh, you know, a nice bit narrow bandwidth of um, frequency that uh, we have available. So, um, you know, or at least as far as the rules are concerned, you know, I mean, you know, we could go ahead and squeeze it into spread spectrum or whatever and, and have the highest fidelity out there as far as the radio is concerned. But yeah, the, the bit rate is higher so that we can get a um, better sounding audio over the radio
1: very very good so let's talk a little bit about practicality of the project so i mean obviously the project is is new it's not completely developed and there's a lot of development to be done but that's not to say that m17 can't be used like today if you want to use it now we mentioned dude star so and open rtx and stuff like that and we we are looking i've already uh, lined up an interview with uh, open rtx so we're looking forward to that so tell us uh, if you haven't already completely enumerated, maybe just put it all together in a list. If somebody wanted to use M17 right now to see how cool this new protocol is, how does one do that? What what availability is there?
4: Uh, well, let's see. <laughs> the easiest way um, that I see right now is um, actually I also want to make mention of mVoice, which is the Linux client for um, M17. Uh, to get onto the reflectors. Um, and that, that was developed by Tom N7TAE as well. Uh, so, yeah, the, the easiest way for, you know, uh, the fans of the show, I'm assuming that they're all running Linux. Um, yeah, go ahead, download m or download DudeStar and uh, get that onto your computer. Uh, once it's installed, you can go ahead and select, uh, M17 as, as the protocol in are, or Mvoice will automatically, um, have a list of all the reflectors that you can use. Um, select a reflector and, and, uh, have at it. You know, it's, uh, as simple as that. You know, if you know how to set up, uh, Mumble or set up Discord, you know, you, you can go ahead and set up, uh, one of those two clients um that'll get you onto m17 but it won't necessarily get you onto the air we don't have uh a way to put a repeater or a radio onto uh, i don't want to say that we don't have the way a way to do it it's just that the, the the software isn't ready yet um to get you onto the air from the computer um there's no um you know there's no handheld that's available there's no mobile rig that's available to get you onto the air with m17 um, by itself. So if you're a little bit more inclined to do some experimentation, um, you can go ahead and get yourself a nucleo TNC, or a TNC three, which are both developed by WX90. And, um, you know, download the experimental firmware onto either of those devices, plug it into a 9600 uh, baud capable radio, and um, then you're then you're on the uh, you know you're on the air with M17. Uh, depending on how many people are around you, you may be the only one. So you know it, this is this is really highly experimental uh, stuff right now. So uh, if you set up a radio, you may be only talking to yourself. Um, those are the two major ways to really get um, onto the air and playing with M17 right now. Uh, we've been having a lot of fun, or at least I've been having a lot of fun uh, plugging in you know, my Nucleo TNC into a Kenwood radio, getting out onto the air. Um, I've been able to do uh, APRS over M17. It's still AX25, except in, instead of using, you know, uh, AFSK packet, you're using M17. So the packet's actually a lot quicker. <laughs> I think they only last about a half a second, so you got to have some really fast uh, radios. Um, so I've been having a lot of fun with uh, APRS. You know, using the packet mode of uh, M17. And you can, I've also played around with uh, M17 voice, uh, pumped into a, um, RTL SDR and, uh, you know, just kind of transmitting from different areas around the, uh, around the seacoast area and, uh, seeing, you know, what kind of propagation I'm getting and, and how well it decodes, um, you know, actually traveling through the ether as, as it were. So, uh, yeah, uh, download a client or, experiment with a radio those uh, those are the two ways to really get uh you know involved with m17 at home
1: all right very good we'll talk a little bit about uh M-R-F-D in a bit but we don't want to get dive into that because that's a different project even though it's m17 related but um so so like what's the development roadmap right now like what are you guys working on first and then what's going to come later what's what's the big thing that needs to get done now to sort of make this thing move forward
4: yeah, that's that's uh, funny that you ask that because not too long ago we actually did have a conversation about that, and um, we all agreed that uh, the, the the focus should be getting M seventeen on the air. You know, we've got the network side of it done uh, to to a point. You know, it works. Um, we've got uh, we don't have to really focus on hardware because we can leverage existing hardware right now and that's really what we're focusing on is leveraging existing hardware to get us on the air so really all of our development focus is is um, uh, involved with that uh we've got uh well as you said the open RTX guys um, we're trying to get M17 uh, shoehorned into a DMR radio <laughs> uh it is still at 4FSK so it should work you all know, fingers crossed um but uh you know we uh, you know i've i've used my kenwood radios uh to go ahead and put m17 on the air and um actually just recently uh within, within the past few days um Wojciech, uh was able to get a motorola gm300 to transmit and receive m17 um granted m17 is being modulated and and demodulated on a Raspberry Pi on the side, but it still works. You can still use the microphone with the radio, um, and uh, you can get M17 to go through that GM300. So, really, we're, we're focusing on getting the air interface and uh, M17 itself on the air so that we can get that stuff, you know, really perfected. And then once that is done then we can go ahead and start you know focusing on the hardware again um doing things like creating repeaters creating uh handheld radios maybe even a mobile at some at some point so um you know we kind of want to look at the um rf first and then you know tangible things next
1: uh very good do you see this coming to a point where like eventually you could do stuff because like i know we have one guy who listens to our show who's uh connecting his yazoo uh, repeater to All Star and stuff like that. So, do you see this being like an M17 being a way to communicate through Pi Star once there's some hardware available, or maybe like retrofitting a repeater to use M17 natively, stuff like that? Is that like all on the radar?
4: Yeah. And as a matter of fact, uh, G4KLX, Jonathan Mailer, uh, of the MMDVM fame, he's, uh, He's on our radar, or, or we're on his radar, rather. <laughs> um, he has been uh, developing MMDVM to also support M17. We're just waiting for hardware that we can actually use uh, that's reliable and, and you know, is a solid uh, uh, testing platform. Um, MMDVM will support M17. And, yes, you will eventually uh, see it in PyStar um, as long as Andy's uh, you know, uh, accepts us uh, as a as a valid protocol. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm sorry, I kind of trailed off there for a second. Um, was there another part of that question?
1: Well, I was just wondering if you see like a future being able to retrofit M17, maybe some hardware like a uh, an add-on TNC or a dongle or something where you could have um, a Yaesu or a Motorola repeater or, or something like that, being able to do M17 natively.
4: Okay, so, yeah, I, I, I <laughs> thank you for refreshing my memory. Um, yeah, so if you look at, like, uh, uh, well, Jonathan Naylor actually uh, pointed this out. If you look at, uh, like, uh, say, the Brandmeister wiki, where it lists all the, all the hardware um, that can be retrofitted to work with DMR, um, anything that's listed in there will also do M17. So, really, you can just take a look at, you know, a list of anything that you can retrofit DMR into into you know you can you can go ahead and put m17 in there so yeah eventually yeah you would be able to take an mmdvm modem stick it on a pi put it on a repeater and there you go you're you're good to go so um yeah it, it, it is something that we are focusing on and that's part of what we're doing in order to get the um air interface perfected you know because we're using um you know, the, the MMDVM modems, were also using, you know, uh, a, a bolt-on TNC in order to get onto the air. So it's it's there. It's just not polished. It's very, very rough right now.
1: Well, that's okay. It's a young project, and it'll get more polished with time, which is fine. And I do want to talk a little bit about MFD, but before I do that, I'm going to let people stop listening to me for a little while, and I'm going to let Bill pick it up so he can uh, ask you some questions, and you can hear somebody else's modulation for a little while. <laughs>
3: i'm confused what are you talking about this is all digital radio stuff i'm so confused you know all there is to know i know enough i know how to start dude star that's all i do <laughs> and i have got on m17 once so uh i know it works <laughs> so uh oh, let's see here um geez you threw me under the bus here
1: i, I know
3: <laughs> I wanted to
1: let everybody know that you were drinking heavily and you weren't going to be a part of this. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm
3: sitting here enjoying my cigar and listening to a great podcast, and uh, yeah, I'm just sometimes sure you have
1: to participate in your own podcast, hang right? My,
3: yeah, hang my hat on the door, right? I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> me and Cheryl, I'll just sit here liking stuff on Facebook, right? Cheryl, are you there? <laughs> Christ. She's there.
1: She probably would have picked it up better than you. Come on. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. No, I just, uh, I just want to comment that uh, yeah, the documentation for everything, the protocol and uh, the detailed documentation of all the, the physical data link, uh, data link layer and application layers is is really, really, really well done. I mean, um, I, I, uh, <laughs> I'm just still just going through it as we speak and. Uh, um, it's it's documented very well for for a, for a open source project and um, um, yeah kudos you guys, to you guys. Did you mention
1: that, a yeah. documenter or is it being done you know by the team?
4: Uh, so yeah, it's it's well. I mean, first of all, it is open source. Um, anybody can go ahead and view the documentation, but also um, it's on GitHub. So if anybody has anything that they want to add. Or if they notice something that's an error, they can change it. All they have to do is just submit a pull request. It's then reviewed by either me or Wojciech or, uh, Juhani or even, you know, if somebody else can, you know, say, yes, this is, this is a good, um, change that needs to be made. Let's go ahead and implement it. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a full team effort. So, and, and it's also, again, we're, we're, Leveraging the community to kind of make it better. And I really appreciate, um, the kind words about the documentation. It, it is something that we're working heavily on, um, along with, uh, you know, the, the, the hardware and actual physical implementation of everything. But, um, you know, protocol is nothing without its specification. And, um, you know, it's, it's difficult for me to kind of read that documentation and understand it fully. So having somebody else outside. You know, take a look at it and say, you guys are doing a good job. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much.
3: So, yeah, I did my part. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, this is all really good, even the, the, the diagrams and stuff like that, understanding how the payload is built and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's that's really gory details for, for a lot of users. But, I mean, and, and the point, this is not an end-user documentation. This is really for people wanting to implement the protocol. Correct, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah it definitely gives them you know a plethora of information of exactly you know how the uh, uh how how it's how the sausage is made
4: yeah <laughs> and and it was uh really cool to see um you know WX 90 give us uh uh you know the packet side of everything cuz you know he he developed uh, uh, firmware for his TNC in order for M17 to work on it and uh you know he gave us a lot of uh stuff in there for for that side of it too so uh, there's this there's, like i said there's, uh, all the authors are listed in the document so if you just take a look at it you'll see that there's not just one or two people working on it. it's a whole group of people
3: yeah and i mean i think you've touched on this already i was just looking at one of the bullet points here uh you know about whether m17 is really meant for a coexistence or supplanting existing technology uh, technology and I think you've kind of covered the fact that this is just you know yet another thing that could possibly grow into you know possibly some vendor adoption and stuff like that, and would definitely sit very well with uh, people concerned about you know the closed licensing of uh, certain chips and stuff like that within the, the radios and and the other technologies that uh, tend to be a, a little bit of an encumbrance. Uh, for uh, for getting that out to mass market uh, and, uh, and adoption for vendor usage,
4: yeah, and that's that's uh, you know one of the major selling points as far as M seventeen is concerned is that the open and free nature of it. You know, we, we don't intend on um, you know locking it down for any reason. Um, you know, we we believe that uh, uh, an effort is only as good as the people that are working on it. Now, granted, Taurus, you have. You know uh, large organizations um out there that can go ahead and and just kind of throw money and, and resources at uh, developing something but again that's their ip that's their their uh stuff that they're looking to sell we're not really looking to sell this uh, protocol we're not looking to sell a codec we're not looking to sell anything as far as you know um you know, the protocol is concerned itself. So we we, we try to keep it nice and open. And, um, you know, when it comes down to things uh, of, of a closed source nature, there are concerns. Yes, there are concerns with, you know, is this license, you know, what am I being bound to um, with this license? Because really when you buy something that has a closed source um, codec in it, you're, you're not necessarily, you know, buying the rights to use it. You're buying a license for it. And, you know, <laughs> there, I remember, you know, a South Park episode about, uh, you know, licensing and and I, I believe it was kind of like a, taking a stab at Apple, but basically, you know, you don't know what you're signing unless you read every fine little point in that license and agreement. So, um, you know, we try to keep that um, uh, out of the picture. We want to make sure that everything is open, everything is free anybody can go ahead and start using it. Anybody can change it. Anybody can experiment with it. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that that will, uh, bring more people into, um, seeing that M17 is a bit more amateur, uh, focused because of the free nature of the whole system. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh you know building it from the ground up i kind of want to touch on this you know building up, up, up from the ground up is um really uh what i see is bringing amateur radio back to its roots back to developing stuff and, and experimenting and everything like that you can't do that with a closed source uh license or a closed source um uh, codec or anything like that so you know you don't Granted you know, these other protocols that are out there, DMR, D star, all that other stuff, sure they, they may be uh free to, to you know implement, um, but the codecs are not. Um and that's that's really the encumbrance. That's the that's what really gets people is that they can they can play around with it but they have to pay for the pay for the right to, to actually use it, you know.
3: Right. So um so let's talk a little bit about the commercialization aspect. So you're not looking at commercializing the M seventeen project
4: uh as far as the protocol is concerned no i don't think that there's any uh intention on making this uh as a um, you know a, a product to be sold um, really it's uh <laughs> as corny as it sounds it's for the better uh the benefit of humanity really um, whether it be through um you know a low cost alternative to other things that are available or even just uh you know the ability to sit there and, and hack at something uh, just for the fun of it so um i don't i don't think that there'll be any um you know i mean again you know the gpl2 uh license you know that that kind of you know states the the whole idea behind um you know what what, what we're trying to achieve
3: yeah and i see you have um mm-hmm. Uh, a larger sponsor of the Open Research Institute. So, how are they helping your project?
4: Yeah, so they're um, they're actually helping us with uh, uh, getting things uh, like uh, grants and uh, funding um, these projects because right now. Um, the whole team, it's all, it's all out of our own pockets and our own time, um, which really severely limits the amount of uh, development that we can do. Um, I mean, not necessarily in the amount of, uh, you know, stuff that we can acquire and, and uh, uh, play around with because eventually, you know, over over you know a, a long period of time, yeah, eventually we will get all the tools and resources that we need in order to do this. But in order for it to actually become productive we need a little bit of a um, kind of a kind of a uh, push to to get that stuff that we need and and ORI saw us as uh you know in line with their ideals and um their project goals and and what they intend on doing so um they have uh, wonderfully sponsored us in in the uh further development of M17
3: and i see you also have a uh, a donate now link too so people can uh, help support you individually if they're interested in uh Helping this uh, this project uh, uh, grow and flourish.
4: Yep, that's correct. Um, yeah, anybody that uh, you know feels uh, that they could, uh, you know, if if um, if they don't feel that they can contribute, um, you know, as far as uh, technical uh, ability or, or anything like that, you know, that's fine. Um, you know, we have that donate a uh, donate now link, um, and uh, you know, as uh, the donations roll in, we we put your name up on the uh, site. Um, we've actually had, uh, another organization, um, you know, donate to us, uh, HVDN, uh, the Hudson Valley digital, oh, I'm going to butcher this. I'm, gonna, I'm thinking that it's Hudson Valley digital network.
3: Yeah, um, that's right.
4: Oh yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah, they're, um, interested in what we were doing. They, they, uh, helped us out a little bit and they're, um, talking about, uh, you know, doing some M17 stuff with uh, their project as well. So that's really, really cool. Um, yeah, uh, the, that's, um, uh, I'm gonna, I, I'm starting to waffle, so that's a good okay, no. question. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so have you guys formed any type of legal entity behind M17, like a nonprofit or anything else like that?
4: Well, that's, that's part of the reason, um, we have ORI helping us out. Um, you know, again, it, it comes down to funds. Um, we don't have the funds to form a legal entity or even, you know, cause it, things like that require lawyers. And yeah. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> I don't even <laughs> play one on TV. So, um, you know, we need uh, the proper legal advice from the people that know that sort of thing. Um, so we can bring them in. You know, we need that funding. And, um, you know, we're we're applying for grants and um, looking to get that taken care of. And then eventually, yes, if, if uh, things start to, um, you know, branch out as far as the administrative side of everything, then, yeah, we'll, uh, eventually we, we may um you know branch out and do something like that all
3: right and uh i guess we can move on to the uh the hardware aspect You we mentioned the tr9 project which you said was on hold but uh can you tell us a little bit about that
4: so the tr9 (laughs) um that was uh uh our our little project as far as getting um uh Basically, you know, a build-your-own handheld, and uh, it was going to feature M17 as uh, the mode um, available on it. Uh, it was it was this, it was uh, being designed as both a um, analog as well as digital radio, um, so similar to you know just any about any other digital radio that you can get nowadays. Um, but it was going to specifically be developed for use of M17 on it. Um, it's, uh, I mean, you can go ahead and download the Gerbers. You can have boards made up. Um, but there are uh, a few limitations that we've run into or, or a few, um, bumps that we've run into. Um, you know, the, 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 the weight over the board, uh, you know, things like, uh, the power output, um, you know, there's, there's, uh, things that need to be massaged into actually working on that. And, um, because, Hardware development seems to be a bit more involved than what we're currently focusing on as far as leveraging existing hardware. Um, it's been put on hold, but once we have, uh, you know, everything ironed out as far as the uh, air interface, then we can go ahead and take a look at uh, that hardware, uh, designing our own hardware and that kind of thing. And it's it's not to say that... Um, you know, nobody else can, can do that. They, they're more than welcome to take a look at what we're doing and, and, you know, make changes or, or, you know, suggest a better way of doing things. But, and, and we're completely open to that. So, um, if anybody wants to, you know, kind of take a look at that and, um, if they have any ideas, we're, we're all ears.
3: Already, Well, Russ, did you want to talk about the reflector software?
1: Yeah. I mean, I just wanted to Russ, touch on it briefly. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I think it's a good spot to do it. Okay. You might be delayed a bit. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think you're delayed considerably, actually, but that's okay. We'll, <laughs> we'll we'll muddle through. Um, yeah, I didn't want to get too deep into uh the M17 reflector project, but um, I I just wanted to ask about like how you are handling adoption of the M17 reflectors because I mean I I just like decided one day that I wanted to run one, so I downloaded the software, built it, popped on, registered it, blah blah blah, and so now I have an M17 reflector. Um, I know you can link them together, so you can have sort of a you know a whole network of uh, M17 reflectors linked together. I just want to know like what you foresee as far as adoption of M17 reflectors. Do you just want a million people to sign up for reflectors, or is it going to be you know limited or restricted or? managed in some way or, or anything like that i'm just i'm specifically talking about the reflector network not about the software
4: right and and uh those are very very good questions it's um you come up a few times and this is uh the the, the answer that i give people we're not going to stop you from creating your own reflector you can go ahead and do that that's that's the whole idea behind um you know mfd and and uh running um, an M17 network. Um, we offer, uh, well, (laughs) I say we, and it's really just been, um, you know, me, uh, offer a registration system in order for it to be publicly listed and available to, um, M17 clients or even, you know, the software built into a radio, you know, if you wanted to directly connect to a a reflector from your radio. Um, so I, I kind of curate the, um, m17 reflectors site it's um not necessarily something that uh, i want to turn into a i'm i'm the i'm the boss and this is what you're going to do it, it's it's more of a uh moderated list rather than you know a, a strict um you know uh, uh, joining kind of thing you know and, and only i list what i feel is is a reflector that should be worthy of being listed no it's it's Moderated in the fact that we're we're just basically trying to look out for things that might be um, uh, off color or, you know, people trying to just kind of, you know, fill up our database full of uh, junk bogus, you know, uh, registrations. Um, So it's moderated by me, but, um, you know, anybody can start up an M17 network. It doesn't have to um, be listed. It doesn't have to uh, be registered or anything like that. but, uh, yeah, we do offer that listing service. Uh, we, uh, I am working on getting the interlinks, uh, kind of a, kind of a workflow for, for the interlinks. Cause right now it's just all based on, if you want to interlink with a with a reflector, you got to email everybody that's on that same interlink, and um, you know it can be a little bit of a bit of overhead as far as you know trying to join a group of uh, reflectors on a specific interlink. So um, I'm I'm trying to work out all the kinks as far as that's concerned. So all you have to do is just click on a button on the site and say I want to interlink with all these other reflectors, and then everybody gets a notification all at the same time. And says hey, this person wants to join. So do you, do you, um, do you accept do you have them in your in your inoleic file and then once everybody says yes it gets lit green and then that person that runs the reflector just downloads an ethernet file from the site to their um to the server and uh, off they go so um yeah i, I mean it's uh, uh an involved process um as far as uh, you know getting everything set up on my side but uh, you know I, I think we're doing pretty good with it um and uh, you know, it's similar to, to in fashion to, you know, registering a YSF um reflector or, or an, an XLX reflector. Um I'm just trying to make it a little bit more um user friendly. You know, some of these uh registration systems you have to you have to go on a forum and request to be listed on the forum. Or you have to go to a site that was uh, that may not be coming up for you. Um or you know, might be located in a country that's uh you know, blocked or something like that. So I'm 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 working on that, making sure that uh, everybody in the whole world can can access our system uh, without any issue and, and make that registration system as uh, as easy as possible.
1: All right, very good. And just in case it wasn't clear earlier, we were talking about this. M17 reflectors are online. There are quite a few of them. Many of them are publicly registered. And if you happen to be running Dude Star or DroidStar, Star. You can select M- M17 as your protocol and you can connect to any one of the available reflectors. They show up in the list and you can talk using M17 like right now, if you want to, well, after you build the software, but you know, <laughs> soon. So it is an actual functioning thing, which is really cool.
4: Yep. And I just uh, dropped a link. Um, the site for the reflectors list is reflectors.m17.link. Um so if anybody is interested in seeing what's out there, uh, we have them all listed there.
1: All right. Very good. And I apologize for stealing 659 inadvertently.
4: Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, just the, the, the local exchange for, for New Market, and I just happen to be in New Market. And it, a happy coincidence, I suppose.
1: <laughs> I suppose it's been so long since I lived in New England that I had forgotten that 659 was New Market's exchange. But, you know, it is what it is. So I think we've we've gotten most of the way through the project and we're down sort of to the the straggly little bits. So let's go ahead and find out if you're uh, taking any input from the community as far as development. Are you looking for developers? Do you need developers? Are you accepting uh, outside uh, influence or suggestions? And if so, where does one go to uh, participate in that way?
4: We are 100% open and, um, you know, like I I, I said earlier, if anybody has any ideas of, you know, after they take a look at our system, after they took a look at our our protocol, after they took a look at the hardware, after they look at uh, the tutorials that we're making, if anybody has any input, please, you know, let us know. There are many ways of getting in touch with us. Uh, we have all of them listed on the site up in the uh, chat and contact uh, area there. If you look at the top of the website, um, we can be found on IRC, on Matrix, on Discord. All three of those are linked together, so you can join on any of them and you'll be talking to the, to everybody that, that's interested in the project, not just the team, but everybody else that's uh, involved. And, um, you can also email us, uh, contact at m17.link. Um, or you can just, uh you know, uh, shoot uh, shoot me an email. You know, if you have any questions. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, if anybody has any ideas, like I said, it, it, we're we're all ears, and uh, no reasonable suggestions or ideas will go unheard. So, um, you know, it, it, we are open to the community at large, and that's what we want to focus on. We want to focus on making sure that. Uh, you know, it's not just a handful of people that are coming up with something that uh, we actually get a full set of input from everybody that could be possibly involved, not just uh, developers, but also end users.
1: All right, that's excellent. And uh, I think I've learned all about the M17 project I need to know for tonight. We're going to have links to all of the stuff you've talked about in the show notes. So is M17.link the the core site where everybody needs to go to get the, the most information or is, is there a different place?
4: Well, the uh, the actual public presence... And the main site is m17project.org. That has all the links for everything, uh, protocol, uh, tutorials, um, donate, (laughs) as well as uh, all of our contact information. It's all right in there. Um, The .link uh, uh, system, or the .link uh, TLV rather, is uh, just for the networking side of it. So things like uh, the reflector list, our emails, our um uh the reflector that i run the m17 m17 reflector it's it's a you see in double when you see our my reflector but um you know that's on dot link so that's that's just a that's just a separate domain that uh, takes care of the networking side of it but as far as the the uh, public um you know website that's m17project.org
1: all right excellent so unless anybody else has anything they want to ask you i'm down to my final question which is the the final final question we always ask so anything else bill anything cheryl no i'm good nope nope okay well then the question we always ask at the end of an interview is what didn't we ask (laughs) what what did we not touch on that you want to tell us about the project or anything else you want to tell us even if it's off topic we just want to let you sort of have the final say about this and wrap things up and put a nice little bow on it
4: well uh i guess uh, really when it comes down to it, m17 uh yeah it, sure you can see you can say oh it's just another digital protocol why do we need another digital protocol we have uh, plenty of other digital protocols that are out there uh the the one major point that i want to really drive home is the fact that our system our protocol our codex our licensing, it's all open. It's it's free and available to use and experiment with. You can't do that with the other systems that are out there. Um, there's a lot of uh, bureaucracy that's involved with uh, the networking side of all those other systems. Uh, we try to be as agnostic as possible as far as, you know, um, anybody wanting to spin up a reflector or run our system or anything like that, you know, go ahead and use it. Please do because, you know, without people actually using our system and just saying, oh, well, that's just another system that's, you know, uh, trying to take place of something else, it's not going to go anywhere. And that's what, that's not what we want. We want, we want involvement. We want people to get involved. We want end users. We want people that are, that are uh, technically inclined to, to help us out with, you know, the hardware, the software, the networking, everything. You know, so, um, you know, it, it, but, you know it, if you look at the site, you know, it, it, used, it was tongue in cheek. You know, uh, we aim to kick DMR and Fusion and D-Star off the air. That, that's, that's just tongue in cheek. That's just us kind of uh, playing around. Um, we want to uh, be on that same playing field as everybody else and offer um, a – free and open alternative to other systems that are out there. And, um, really, that's that's my driving force behind it is to uh, offer something to the community at large um, for, um, you know, all the fun that I've had in the, in the community or, or as far as amateur radio is concerned. Everything that I've done in amateur radio, all the fun that I've had, I want to give something back and I'm trying to do it as best as possible through M17.
1: And I'm sure the entire team feels that way. So we want to really thank you, Steve, for coming on here tonight and talking with us telling us all about the M17 project. I look forward to its advancement going forward, and perhaps we'll have you on again when there are some new developments or some hardware or things that are really important to the project that you want to let us know about. We'd love to have you come back. Certainly,
4: and thank you for having me. It was a, it was a pleasure to be here.
1: Fantastic. Well, we really appreciate it, and I'm glad you were able to make time for us tonight, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Good luck with the project. All right, Bill. Are yeah. you awake? Okay. I'm here. <laughs> well, that means we've uh, we've come down to the end of the actual deep dive, but we do have a couple of announcements or one announcement and some feedback. And since you were the one who put in the announcement about the Storm Spotter class, and I have no idea what it's about. Why didn't you tell us? Me? I didn't do that one. Oh, you didn't do that one? Did Cheryl no, do that one?
2: Cheryl did that one. Oh well oh, then let's guess Cheryl. What? Cheryl. Cheryl gets to do it then. <laughs> So I was um, skimming around today online, and I actually found that the National Weather Service in St. Louis is offering free virtual spotter classes to prepare for the heart of the severe weather season. Mother Nature is already mad at us here in Missouri, so I can't wait to see what else she throws at us, but if you would like to assist your local community by becoming a volunteer storm spotter and reporting severe weather to the National Weather Service, or if you simply want to learn more about severe weather, you can attend one of their virtual sessions. The attendees are taught the basics of thunderstorm development, storm structure, the features to look for and where to find them, what, when and how to report location or report information to them is also covered. Um, You'll need a desktop or a laptop to view the presentation. They'll also be doing interactive polling, uh, which will use your cell phone if you wanna participate in that. There are classes on Tuesday, March 2nd from 7 to 8.15 p- 8, p.m. Central, Saturday, March 6th from 10 a.m. to 11.15 a.m. Central, Wednesday, March 10th from 7 to 8.15 p.m. Central, and Saturday, March 20th, 2 to three fi- 3.15 p.m. Central. Of course, if Mother Nature decides to get upset with us, these courses may be canceled or changed due to active weather. Um, but they'll communicate these changes via their website and social media. So if you want more information about this, of course, there'll be information in the show notes, but you can go to weather.gov slash LXX, you know, Sierra Zebra. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I am really bad on this. Uh, <laughs> Lima
3: Sierra X ray. <laughs>
2: there we go. Uh, virtual spotter 2021. So, um, I figured I'd throw that into the notes now, since we have two classes coming up. I think before we do another podcast, is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, sure. Why not? They, they had one last. I think it was last night. So, and I was like, "Well, that's too late." But so, but I definitely think I want to check one of these out. So.
1: Yeah, I might do the same. That's really cool. Thanks for putting that in there.
2: You're welcome. Now, the right. next thing is Bill's, but you well, guys are Well, it's actually mine. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah so, <laughs> it's Russ's. So yeah.
1: Well, the the next thing is mine, but the last thing is Bill's. The last because, thing is
2: Bill's, right?
1: Right. So we did get a comment on Bill's YouTube video, which I answered, and it was let's see, who was it from? Wiley Trailer. <laughs> uh, it sounds like a made up name, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, But he asked, is there a Linux equivalent to OmniRig that can be used with this logger? And OmniRig is apparently a Windows-based ham rig control application or library or something. And I put in most Linux applications have rig control using HamLib, which is a rig backend library compatible with most radios on the market. Other applications have their own control libraries. Uh, So, yes, the application running on Linux supports HamLib and thus will be able to interact with whatever hardware you have. There you go. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> Hopefully he'll uh, use CQR log and uh, divest himself of whatever he's using with OmniRig and, and all, you know, whatever else.
3: Yeah, it's like it's virtually an equivalent. You know, HamLib is basically the same thing, and um, FL Rig would be like a step up from that if you want to have your uh, rig control to have a little bit of uh, you know UI to interact with the rig as well outside of the uh, logging software.
1: Yeah, cool. So that means we're down to our very, very last announcement, and this announcement
3: is Bill's. So, Bill, take it away. That's right. Like we mentioned on our Weekender a couple episodes ago, um, for our subscribers and Patreons, there is an a, 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 a item going out for Episode 400. We're doing a Raspberry Pi 400 for Episode 400 to one of our uh, subscribers or Patreons. And uh, the deadline for becoming a subscriber of Patreon, of course, would be uh, March twelfth because we're possibly going to record episode four hundred during the Ham Radio Expo, the QSO Today one. So uh, yeah, so if you uh, if you find this content useful and interesting enough to help support the program, um, you can be a part of this. Otherwise, uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, and Don, KBTYSI
1: in the chat room, mentioned that OmniRig allows for multiple devices to use a single COM port. So I will say that Rig Control D, which is an overlay, a daemon, a TCP daemon that sits on top of HamLib, can allow you to do that as well, but I just wanted to modify my answer to include uh, accuracy.
3: <laughs> so. Yeah, FLRig will allow you to do the same thing. You can use it with multiple applications at the same time. Right,
1: so there's, there's multiple ways to do the exact same thing. Yes, and it does integrate with CQR log and all that. So there you go. So thanks to everybody who joined us, especially Steve Miller KC1AWV. That was really great to hear about the M17 project. I'm looking forward to using it more and seeing where it goes from here. And before we get out of here, we will mention the folks who were with us in the chat room tonight. We had quite a few. We had Steve KC1AWV, of course. We had Doug88DP of the Dude Star and Droid Star project. We also had Ed N2XDD, Tony K4XSS, Don KC9ZMY, Ted WA0EIR, and Don KB2YSI. So thanks, everybody, for being here. We really appreciate it. And stay tuned for those people who are supporting the show. You have until, when, when did we say the cutoff was? March 12th. March 12th. March 12th at 11.59 p.m. Central Time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you have to sign up to become a Patreon or a PayPal supporter to be entered in to win that Raspberry Pi 400. So be looking for that. And we'll be happy to give that away to one of our financial backers. We really appreciate those folks as well. But we also appreciate everybody who just listens to the show and makes all of this worthwhile. So with that, we're going to go ahead and get on out of here. This has been episode number 396 of Linux in the Shack. I'm
3: Russ K5TUX.
2: I'm Cheryl W5MOO.
3: And I'm Bill, and E4RD seventy three.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a community sponsored podcast. The show is recorded live every Thursday at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at urlbctsinfo Live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreoncom Podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash Podcast on the Freenode network, and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1909 nhs. Show that's one nine zero nine five four seven seven four six nine. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hamfest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information. Or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.